Our passage this morning is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Well, good morning. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and friends. And, and I hope and pray for us this morning that as we, as we dive into Ephesians 3, that we will have thankful spirits. Thankful for our salvation, for those of you who have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful for all that he has done for us, that he has forgiven our sins, that he has cleansed us, washed us white as the snow is outside today, that we have life because of him. And so as the Spirit moves and as we study his word, would we have thankful hearts, to all that God is doing in our lives, how he's changing us and transforming us, making us into his image, that we give praise to him and him alone. As we look at the book of Ephesians, we're going to find in chapter 3 a great mystery. I love mysteries. As a young boy, I I was uh, asked to read in a class uh, the book by Agatha Christie, Ten Little Indians. The other title for that is Then Then There Were None. It's one of the classic novels and mystery novels about, about a murder that takes place and, and then another murder that takes place. It started with ten Indians, and then there were nine, and then there were eight, and the end of the book, and then there were none, trying to figure out who was the one who committed these murders. We love mystery. 
millions of Americans and many in this room got caught up into the series Lost and all that took place on the island. And, and you do these marathon runs. If you miss the first couple of seasons, you'd, you'd watch them all night long to get caught up. What's taking place? What's going on with these characters? Who's on the island and what's happening here? We love mystery. And then when loss was over, we thought, well, that's the end of that. And then along came the event. And thank God for the event, another mystery that is unfolding. I still can't figure out who these aliens are. But we're drawn into that. And what Paul is doing as he begins Ephesians 3 is he is, is providing and now going to open the door for us. The great mystery will be unveiled. He says this as he begins Ephesians 3. He says, For this reason, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For this reason, and he's talking about what was taking place before in in chapter 2 that Jackson taught us about, about bringing together the people of God. He is... He is placing us, Paul is, in the, in the quarry. This is what Ephesians 2 says. It says this in 2.21, The whole building of God is being fitted together. It's growing into a holy temple in the Lord. It's a place where, where chisel hits stone. It's a place where refining is taking place. God is fitting together the people of God and making them into a holy temple, glorifying God. We're all in that place, aren't we? That place of being chiseled. That place where God is getting off those edges on us. That place where he's smoothing out areas. What would happen in the Old Testament, we find, is, is when they were building the temple, the great stones that were put into place, they were, they were all chiseled to the exact measurement in the quarry. All took place there. And then once they were all refined and buffed out, then they were brought over to the temple and they were put into place. That's what he says he's doing with us. He's working on us in the quarry. We call that sanctification, don't we? That continued work. God making us in his image. And then we are being refined and and we are being brought into this beautiful fitting. God fitting us together. And he's starting to reveal who the people of God are. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We are there for this reason taking those edges off the Lord, is fitting us together. And Paul says, God is doing all this great work. And for me, I am a prisoner of Christ, he says. It's a powerful image as Paul was chained to the guard, the Roman guard in his house arrest. My life is as a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. And we, we have a better image of what he's talking about. It's a different word than bondservant. Bondservant that Paul uses fairly often in his letters is one of a, 
of a, a loving relationship that, that the bondservant can enter freely into, actually. He says, I, I, my master is a good master. I want to be his bondservant. This term, prisoner, goes deeper than that. It brings us back to 2 Corinthians 14. Paul was doing ministry, and he felt called to ministry. And he was going into Troas, and he was looking for Titus. And he, and he couldn't find Titus, and he started to get troubled in spirit. He thought that there was going to be all this ministry that was going to be going on. And things got totally shifted around. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 14. He says, but thanks be to God, even in the middle of my whole world changing and shifting on me. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Paul is giving us the image of when a great general would go out to war. And when the general would go out to war and have victory over the enemy, then what he would do is he would chain to his chariot the generals of the opposing army. And then behind them, all of the soldiers, and they were all chained. And then the general would send a runner to go into the town. And the runner would go into the town and say, a great victory has taken place this day. And he would put incense all through the air and into the homes. And so that aroma wafted all throughout the city. And then the general would come in with the soldiers chained to the chariot, brought in with this aroma of incense. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession. What he's saying is, what Paul is saying as a prisoner of Christ, is that God has conquered me. Christ has captured me with his love. I am, and my whole life is one that is captured by Jesus. And I am being led by him. And he is the one who takes my life, and I will be chained to him. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. I think we lose sight of, of who we are in Christ and, and, and who we follow and who has conquered sin in our life and who now leads us. We are connected to his chariot. I think we forget that we are no longer our own. We are bought with a price. Paul is setting the example of saying, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And look what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I am a prisoner of Rome. That doesn't even enter his thinking. Yeah, I'm chained next to this guy, but I'm chained next to him because I'm a prisoner of Jesus. And I know that I am a prisoner of of Christ, that I'm captured by Christ. This is exactly where the Lord wants me to be. This is not outside of his control. God knows exactly what's taking place here. And guess what? For whatever reasons, although I might have had different plans, God wanted me to be here in prison. And because I'm chained to him, I follow his chariot. 
and he's got me right here. Do you live a life chained, conquered by the love of Jesus? Paul sets the example. Don't think of life as, I work for this boss. I work for Jesus. I work unto the Lord. And that God might be glorified in the way that I work at HP or any other place that you might be. I work unto the Lord. And so may God be glorified in my work. Your work may be hard, it may be difficult. This is where God has me. And I'm chained to Christ right in the middle of it. Everything about our lives, as followers of Jesus Christ, led by, conquered by, His love. May we follow along as He leads us He's got this wonderful plan to use our lives, as he did with Paul. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Not to Rome, but to Jesus. And when he's talking about that it's because of you, the Gentiles, that it took place because of them, the reality is he's speaking, physically I'm in prison because of my heart for you. And because of what God has done in my life where he's, he's transformed me and he gave me an understanding of how much he loves you Gentiles and now I get to come and share the love of God with you. Acts 22 gives us a, a, the picture of what was happening. He was in Jerusalem, Paul was. And as he went into Jerusalem, he started to talk about all the work that God was doing. And he started to share the good news of, of all that God was, was doing and ministering to the people. And then it says this in Acts 22, and I want you to read this later on today, the story. But Acts 22 says, Then he said, Paul is speaking of what the Lord said to him, Then the Lord said to me, Go, and I will send you, Paul, far away to go to the Gentiles. Paul's sharing this with, with hundreds and on the steps and in Jerusalem, in the city. And verse 22 says this, And the crowd listened to Paul until he said this, until he said Gentiles. And they raised their voices and they shouted, Rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. Because God was doing an incredible work of fitting together those who would have faith in Christ Jesus. The Jews wanted nothing to do with it. How dare you even mention? How dare you bring the possibility that the Gentiles could be part of our inheritance? And he speaks to them. You see, Paul was called by the Lord Jesus to minister to the Gentiles. Peter was called to, to minister to the Jews. And God had been working on their hearts. And Paul was specifically appointed by God to minister to the Gentiles, those who were not Jews. And he says, surely, verse 2, you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And that is the mystery that was made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. Surely you've heard about the stewardship that was given 
to me for you. Surely you've heard about the, what God has been doing in my life, that he changed me on the road to Damascus, that he gave me insight into who he was, that he showed me his love, he transformed my life. Surely you've heard, he says. For you Gentiles, I'm a prisoner. You know, one of the things I was thinking about with, with Paul and his incredible ministry to the Gentiles and then he's in prison because of them. It really was a heart of the Lord, an incredible passion placed by the Lord to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And it just stirred up in me thinking about who has the Lord given me a passion for? Who is the Lord calling me to, to take some risk and, and, and maybe to step out in boldness, giving me a passion for? Is it my neighbor? Is it someone at work? Is it a dear family member? Who is God giving you a passion for? Because I know God has a desire for each and every one on this planet to come to know his love, right? And I think he stirs us up through his spirit, just like he did with Paul. Paul wasn't the only guy who had a passion for the lost. I hope the Lord has been using you in that and, and stirring your heart. But ask them. Because you know what? The, the honest truth is, there's some days where it's like, I could really care less. Actually, I have enough problems of my own. And I don't really have time to think about this person over here who doesn't know you, Jesus. You know? I got work issues. My family's struggling. Whatever it might be. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we just don't have the passion. And so ask the Lord. Lord, give me a passion. For somebody... Whoever you want me to minister this gospel to, give me a passion, Father, because you know my heart, which right now is maybe flat. So give me a passion for your kingdom that the Gentiles might know you, Father, that they might come to understand who you are. You've heard, I love you. You've heard about what God's done in my life. He's given me stewardship over this gospel. Stewardship is... He's given me management over this household. And stewardship is, is not only that you manage your own household, but oftentimes there were stewards who manage others' households, the owners, the boss. And that's what Paul's getting at. I'm a steward of God's household. I am a steward that responds to the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, for whatever reason, out of his crazy love for me, somehow has involved me in being used to manage his household, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. He's using me. I get the privilege to share the good news. I get the honor and the, and the, from the Lord, and thank you, Father, that you would want to use me, a broken vessel. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. You've got to understand something. This stewardship of God's household was not just for Paul and Peter and the guys. It's for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Remember the calling of the Lord Jesus just before he was taken back with the Father? 
I want to leave you with something, Jesus says. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. That means I want you to go, and I want you to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, of me, Jesus says. I want people to know who I am, and I want them to know about my love for them. Go and make disciples. We are stewards of God's household, each and every one of us. Don't think for a second that you're not part of that family plan. God is using us to draw people into his kingdom. And he's using us as we're being fitted together, chiseled together, which is an amazing thing. You look next to the person, to the person next to you and you go, God's really fitting me with that person? Come on. He's doing a work on us, helping us love each other. He's moving us together, and we get to share together the love of Jesus Christ. I was at a uh, memorial service last week for, uh, for Henry Westendorf. And it was a beautiful service, and uh, Mark did a beautiful job in sharing the gospel, which Henry wanted. But more than just sharing the gospel, there was a time of, of uh, sharing about Henry's life, and it was really cool just hearing all that he was and what he loved and his adventure in hunting and how he loved his kids and grandkids and and how he loved the Lord. But towards the very end of the service, a gentleman stands up, and it was really right at the very end, and and, uh, he was a little little rough. Looked like he had kind of had a rough life. And he stood up and uh, he said, Henry's wife doesn't even know what I'm about to tell you. And we all were kind of like, uh-oh, you know, what's going to happen here? And he goes, you know what? He goes, I ended up in a federal prison. And Henry showed up at federal prison with a Bible. He was a Gideon. And he ministered to me. And he shared the love of Jesus. And God got a hold of my life and Henry went on to not only share the love of God with me, but he charged me with this. He said, you need to bring this, this truth and this joy to the prisoners in the federal penitentiary there. And so I did, because Henry charged me to do so. And I was a steward of God's gospel. And so we baptized over 100 plus men in that penitentiary, who came to know Jesus. Because Henry came to me. And then I was able to be a steward of that. That's the good news. Paul is a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. He has been made a steward of this good news that there is a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. He didn't come just to be a baby in a manger. He came to die on the cross for our sins. He came that God would raise him again from the dead, that whoever would believe upon him would have life. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are stewards of that in our lives. I have been given that privilege, Paul says. And once I've been chained to his chariot, I follow him. And the other joy is that he leads me. I don't have to figure it all out. Remember, he's prepared in advance good works for us to walk into. 
He's prepared ministry and he's prepared hearts. We are to be stewards of that. How's God using your life? You should know now as followers of Christ, it's not just about coming here on Sundays. How's God using your life? We are prisoners of Christ to be stewards of the beautiful truth of the gospel. Christmas is not about singing a bunch of nice songs, although I love them. Paul is reminding the people, I don't want you to take for granted this gospel. He's stirring them up again. I don't want you to take for granted what God has done in my life, Paul's saying, and what God has done in your life and what he's bringing together. There's a great mystery that God is unveiling through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't take for granted your salvation. God has transformed your life from the inside out. He's made you a new creation in Christ. We have so much to be thankful for in this season. And primarily it should be, thank you, Father, that I have life in you. And Lord Jesus, somehow in my brokenness, and and even though I don't totally understand how to evangelize maybe, use me that I might bring the good news of Jesus. God gave it to me, Paul says, through revelation. He gave it to me through apocalypse is really the word. And that's what God does in revelation. He starts to unveil all that's taking place. You see, God is unveiling things in his perfect timing. He's taking his time and he knows his perfect timing to say, this is what I need to reveal to you now. I've started to share some things about who I am and my love for the people, for all the nations. But now, through Jesus Christ, I'm unveiling and I'm doing it through Paul to the Gentiles. All that God is doing in bringing the kingdom, the people of God together. And it's for the church. There's something that you didn't understand and now I bring it to you, he says. It's this great mystery. So what is it? What is the great mystery unveiled? What is it that God has been doing and has done in using Paul to the Gentiles? Jackson taught us out of chapter 2. This is the mystery. 2.11, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, into one. And he broke down the barrier wall, that BCS dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, that he himself might make two into one new man, thus establishing peace. The mystery is that Jew and Gentile are made into one. The mystery is that God is chipping together and chiseling and fitting together the people of God, those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. And this is what he says in 3, verse 6. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. They are fellow members of one body. They're fellow partakers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. They're fellow heirs. All of the promises that were given to the Jews that I will be your God and you will be my people, that I am making a new covenant with my people. It'll be on their hearts, Jeremiah says. All of these promises that were made to the Jews, guess what? 
the whole rest of the world, Gentile, you and me, we get to receive that. We are heirs also. All that God did with his chosen people, the Jews, he promises and he lavishes upon us. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ for those who have felt shut out from that. Not worthy enough. Not able to be in the presence of God. I've broken down the walls. He says you're fellow heirs. You're also fellow members of the body. That means we all have the same family name. We all are in the Christensen family, are we not? We all belong to him. And that goes for Jew and Gentile. And third, he says, we're partakers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's the promise of redemption. That by faith we have come to to have salvation. By faith in Jesus Christ, we have been renewed and restored. We've been forgiven our sin. We have been bought with a price. We are in the quarry being fitted together. And the Jew and the Gentile are part of the kingdom. But here was the big thing. You see, the Old Testament gave us many indications that Gentiles, other nations, would come to know God. So that was known by the Jews. But here was the thing that turned them upside down. You're telling me that the Gentile has absolutely all the same status that I as a Jew have. Oy vey. Unheard of. The Jews really felt that they were it. They were the all in all. And okay, it's fine that the Gentiles can be part of the kingdom, but the same status? That we're equal, we're co-heirs, we're part of the same family? And so the Jews wanted nothing to do with it. And so they put up that dividing wall. They took all kinds of ways to shut them out. They thought they were worse than dogs. And I thought, you know, obviously for you and me, we're not dealing with this Jew and Gentile situation. But I was trying to think about what does it look like for us to shut out people from his love, from the message? Do we do that? Do we subtly do that, maybe? Do we, is there certain people that maybe when we think about them, we sort of cringe? Maybe that's an immediate family member. You know what? They have a different lifestyle than I do. I just don't really get along with them. I don't really like them that much. I'm sure God's not calling me to bring the gospel to them. And actually, you know, on family vacations and on family events, hopefully we don't have to get together necessarily. You know, Bob and Belva Lawton talked about all these international students that were coming onto campus. And they said uh, last week that the majority of the students coming onto BSU campus are Muslim students. And they asked us if we would be part of maybe bringing in a Muslim student to care for, to love. How many of us, let's just be honest in our hearts, we're like, uh, 
not so sure. How do I even do that? Because there's so much affiliation with terrorism and Muslims. Do we shut people out? What does that look like for us today? Do we shut out those who maybe just don't look like us? Maybe, you know, quite honestly, the the whole smoking thing has become such a big deal these days that, you know, do we shut out people because they smell of smoke? As far as inviting them in and just being a friend and caring about them? Subtly, we do these things, don't we? And if you're honest in your heart, you know where you struggle. God is breaking down that wall of people, of what they're like, no matter how many tattoos they have, earrings, it doesn't matter. He's bringing people together in Christ Jesus, and he's bringing the good news. Who's God giving you a passion for? That we are stewards of his good news. God has given me this beautiful thing. I became a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I might come and and bring to you God's grace that he's given to me, verse 7. He's working his power, although I'm less than the least of these, of God's people. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul recognizes the closer he draws to the love of God, what a sinner he is. And that starts to happen to us. Sometimes we don't get it. It's, it's like, it's like my, my little guys, you know, when you go to tell them to take a bath, and they're like, Dad, but I'm not really dirty. And then you throw them in that tub. Oh, my. You know? And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I guess I am kind of dirty. You know, they come to know. That's what Paul's saying here. There was this river, this clean, pure water. And when I was put into it, I realized how dirty I am but thanks be to God. But praise God for his grace. He transformed me, and now he's given me this message to bring to you, to unveil all that God is doing. He's chiseling away, he's fitting together all of these people who would come to know him in faith. The the unsearchable riches, all, all that we sang about this morning, his beauty, his forgiveness, he's the rock, he's our salvation. He's the Redeemer. He's our hope. All of these things keep being exposed. It's it's amazing and they're unfathomable. I can't even dig the depths. I keep learning more about the love of Jesus. You know, that's the joy of being married a long time, right? Every year you learn something new. That's relationship with Christ. Wow, really? This too? This is who you are? And he says it's beautiful. It's this manifold wisdom is being passed out of all of who God is. It's being revealed unto you what God is doing. Manifold is that of many colors. God is full of many colors. And I want you to understand, Paul says, that he's doing an amazing work. And he's revealing. And when he's chiseling us, the people of God in this church, And in the church at large, when he is chiseling us and bringing us together, that means that we're becoming united. That's what ministers to the heavenlies. What he's saying is, 
the angels and the demons and all in the heavenlies, they are blown away by God's plan of salvation. They are blown away that God can fit these people together. They are blown away at the love of God towards people. They are blown away that he was raised from the dead and now he's brought life to everybody. Not only are the heavenlies blown away, but all those on this planet who see the body of Christ being fit together. God is glorified, is he not? And they will know we are Christians, how? By our love for one another. The mystery's been unveiled. God is doing this work. And we are to be good stewards of all that he has given us. And so Paul says, hey, don't worry about it that I'm chained up to this guard. That's nothing. Guess what? I get to write all these letters to you guys about who God is. I get to write all these epistles. I get to share with the Roman guard the love of Jesus. I'm not chained to the guard. This is all to glorify God. So don't you worry about me. It's been like many of you who've reflected who God is in your life. Hey, I'm not sitting in this chair getting chemo just by myself. I'm chained to Jesus. This is where he has me right now. But you know what? As I choose to follow him and your lives, for those of you who've been in that place, and as you've held on and known his love, what do you do? The angels and the world goes, how is it? How is it that you can still have life even in the middle of getting chemotherapy? How does he still have joy? God is knitting us together, his people. We're not troubled by the fact we're chained in prison. And what he says to all his people And we get the joy of doing this this morning in communion. What he says to all his people is that, guess what? By faith in Christ, in him through faith, we now may approach God with freedom and with confidence. And so we're going to do that this morning as we take communion. We are going to, together, the body being chiseled and fit together, we are going to approach the throne of God. And I hope in your time, as you reflect upon your life and your salvation, I pray that you'll just take time to meditate and say, thank you, God, that you've given me life. Thank you for your son who died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that he rose again. Thank you that we are the body being fitted together in you, Christ Jesus. Amen.